listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen. Sawtooth Frank. So good to see you. <laughs> like we haven't been seeing each other for the last... We live together, but every moment I see you is a uh, good moment to see you. Thanks. Do you know who our guest is? Who we're going to talk to? No, tell me all about them. We are going to talk to Stephen Bryla, who is owner of Go With The Float. It is a flotation therapy center located in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Mm. Do you know what floating is? Yes. What is it? We're going to find out all about it when we talk to Stephen. Yeah, and we did it. We did do it. And we're going to talk to Stephen about our experiences Mm -hmm. with this floating. That's right. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is going to be exciting stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I have to share my experiences with the world. Oh, I'm sure the world can't wait. I told Stephen when we came out of his float tanks that I had an experience and that I was going to share it with him. So let's get into it. Are you ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen, we're here, back with a guest again. We're going to promote the float on this episode. I have a lot to say. Why'd you throw this paper at me? I didn't want it. (laughs) So you were the closest human target to me for throwing the paper at. Well, let's say hello to our guest, Mr. Stephen Bryla. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sawtooth. How are you doing today? I'm doing floaty. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, I'm feeling floaty. I love um, how much you embrace the concept of the float. When we came to visit you at the flotation center, I heard you talking about promoting the float. Promote the float. I love it. And that's what we're here to do. We're going to talk about floating and flotation therapy. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, I wanted to ask you, um, just to tell our listeners who might not even know what the heck it is we're talking about, what is floating and flotation therapy? All right. Yeah. So floating is also known as, uh, well, like sensory deprivation tanks. And so the float industry as a whole is, uh, for whatever reason, shies away from that term, because maybe when people hear sensory deprivation tanks, it's a bit, you know, not so inviting. But to me, that's more of, of what it is, because it's it's basically a um, 
a, a big bathtub with uh, less than a foot of water, 10 to 11 inches, that has 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt. Well, ours do. depends on what the water to salt ratio is. And we're trying to con- uh, create an environment where you have as little sensory input from the environment as possible. So I'll, I'll kind of walk you through that. Um, you, you, you'll come in to do your float and you have a, a shower room within the, the float tank is in the shower room. So you have your own private room. And so you get in the float tank. And like I said, there's 10 to 11 inches of water and you float in the nude. Um, now there are some reasons for that, which I can get into later. Yeah. And so you, you lay on your back and the water comes to about your, um, if you can envision laying on your back and the backside is in the water while your front is in the air and you're literally floating on the surface of the water. And now it's important that the water in the air is uh, very close to your skin temperature such that you can lose track of that boundary where the water in the air starts and stops. And so you can kind of lose track of your body at times. Sometimes people will say I had to wiggle my fingers and toes just to make sure they were still there. And, um, you know, in theme of the sensory deprivation, it is completely pitch dark in there. When you get in, there's a light so you can see and get situated. And then you turn the light off and and you're, you're in the dark and it's quiet. You know, you might hear... Uh, your heartbeat or little sounds in the water if you move around a bit. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty freaking quiet. And so um, that's it. And so you hang out in there. We do 60, 75, or 90-minute floats. Oh, my God. There's no limit to how long one can float. Uh, I've floated for hours, you know. Um, fun fact, you actually don't get pruny in that water yeah. because of the salt content. Yeah. Um Did- and th- that's a great overview, and I'm going to walk you through my whole experience um, because people are going to want to know this. Here we from, go. From the, I know, we didn't even talk about it. You're like, yeah. we're saving it for the podcast. We're gonna we're gonna walk through in excruciating detail from the minute I walk through the oh door. That's going to come a little Love bit it. later. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and uh-huh. I, I, like I said, I'm not trying to tease people. That things happen to me in that tank. Stomping John. I'm going to tell people about this. Um, okay, but, can I preface your experience? Yes, please. So, so listen, soft serve community. What do you call your soft servers? The ice cream eaters or something? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. We don't we call, don't them, call anything, them anything. <laughs> but now maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. The ice cream eaters. <laughs> yeah, we, we call them delightful, rational human beings who enjoy an intelligent conversation. Is yes. that catchy, Stomping Jen? <laughs> right. Is that catchy enough? All right, no. delightful, rational human being. I just want to preface before Sawtooth goes off on his experience that... I'm always hesitant to share how I, what my experiences are because so um, John Lilly, who invented the tank, he had this whole thing where like, you don't want to program the people. So like, we're going to talk about our experiences, which is fine, but take them with a grain of salt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we want you to, we want you to come in with an open mind because it's like, Oh, this happened to me. And then people can kind of be expecting that. So just, you know, just, Keep in mind that as, as we talk about um, our experiences with floating. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that, Stephen, because I was reading your website, and that's an important part of this, right? Like, I am going to share, I am going to share my experience with my first float, um, but like you said, it is important that people understand that that's my experience, right? And that is only what happened to me, and, and it's not necessarily what is going to be for you. And you should right. come into it 
with your own um, as as neutral a position as possible. Because um, I certainly came into it with a lot of expectations from listening to people who had done it um, before me, right? That I that I listened to. I'll just say like Joe Rogan is somebody I listen to occasionally his podcast and he talks about his experiences with floating Mm -hmm. right what happened to me was very different Mm -hmm. so anyways again and i'm i'm glad i read steven's website and kind of said to myself all right i know i heard those experiences and i shouldn't let them influence what's going to happen to me Mm -hmm. so anyways Mm kind of just try to have your own experience i think that is a really important thing to to stress and we'll we'll remind people as we go along um but Stephen, i wanted to ask you um how did how did you become aware of floating and flotation therapy and sensory deprivation like how did this become a thing you were interested enough in to open a business mm, yeah so actually you just mentioned joe rogan uh I found out about floating from Joe Rogan and this is actually before he even had his podcast though. Um, I just had my float anniversary, if you will, last month was 14 years ago on my first float and I was at UMass at the time (laughs) and uh, my friend told me about it to, to go onto YouTube and type in Joe Rogan float tank. And so he so eloquently um, talked about it. I was immediately interested searching around where to go get into one of these float tanks. And I stumbled upon a place from the internets out in, uh, out by Worcester mm-hmm. shout out to the crystalline matrix. The, as far as I know, what maybe the first, uh, uh, one of the first places in the state to, to go grab a float. And they were, they had a, uh, one room there. They had a Samadhi tank, which was the, um, the first float tanks developed by John Lilly, who I mentioned earlier, the inventor of the float tank. And these ones were a lot smaller, not such as ours, like because um, our float tanks are what we call float cabins. They're very spacious and you can even stand up inside of them. Yeah. These Samadhi tanks are more of like the coffin type ones that people refer to. But I didn't care. I was like 20 years old. Like there was nothing going to keep me from getting in that thing. And um, I actually had like a pretty profound experience on my first float. And so I was hooked and uh, it took me about a year to get back there. Um, so I went back again. I, I realized immediately I wanted to first three things I thought when they got me out, I was like, okay, I need to do that again. I need to do it longer and I want to get stoned. Yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> I did all three of those things my next in a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Got, you know, I did a 90 minute flow as opposed to the 60 and I'm like smoking up in the parking lot. And, um, I remember driving home just thinking like, wow, how people need to know about this. You know, I can't believe no one knows about this thing. And it wasn't my immediate thought to open a float center. Um, But years later when I was looking for a career change, because the whole time what I had been thinking is I wish someone would do this in the Valley so that I could float more. Yeah. And uh, when no one was doing it, I was like, Hey, maybe I should look into uh, creating a space where people can come and float. And that in your space is in um, an old gigantic mill building in East Hampton, Massachusetts. How did you find that space and how did you settle on that space? How, how did you know that that was going to be home for go with the float? 
Yep. So my original thought was Northampton. That's kind of the Mecca for this type of like holistic healing stuff. So I was searching around. I was pretty dead set on Northampton actually too, because my parents um, played a big part in, in all of this. They, um, they supported me at first. They didn't because, you know, they were like, what the heck you want to do? And then, <laughs> you know, as, as, as I, as they saw, I was getting serious about it. Um, they really helped me. Um, my dad is a, uh, a small business owner. He's, um, done drywall for years and, um, they supported me, you know, emotionally, financially, and they were kind of pointing to other places in the Valley. And I was like, no, it's gotta be Northampton. It's gotta be Northampton. And I just couldn't figure out a spot there. And as you y'all probably know, the rents there are crazy. Mm -hmm. And so my mom was suggesting East Hampton and I, you know, I, I looked around and I found in these, um, what they call the mill district here. Cause there's actually three old mill buildings in a row. Most people are familiar with the Eastworks building, which is right next door. That began like the gentrification process here about in the nineties, they started that. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, you know what? I could get a lot more square footage for a lot cheaper. And uh, Northampton's just right down the road. So that's kind of how that all happened. Yeah. Those buildings are amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I have to say, like, I just like walking around in them, right? And to have something really cool, like a float center there mm -hmm. is pretty awesome, too. So after you go float or before you can go, like, walk around the old mill buildings because they're they're like amazing just to wander around in i don't know and there are lots of cool like art studios and there's a cannabis dispensary there too and like if you're into yeah that, that was part of the uh the alert for me to be honest yeah i thought there'd be more crossover with the uh with their customers which we haven't quite seen but that's okay yeah yeah and it's a it's a really cool space um so let's talk a little bit stomping jen about our experience. Um, so we went on our anniversary. Yes. Right. Um, when was that? That was, was that the actual day? It yes. was. Yeah. So oh, I, I, did we talk about that? A little bit. I yeah. Think so, yeah. Um, well, I, I I feel honored that you uh, <laughs> spent your yeah, and, anniversary with us. And and part of it, um, Stephen, is I had heard so much and had been wanting to do floating for so long. Like this was a meaningful thing for me to try to experience on our anniversary. I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Um, so, um, Stomping Jen, I'm going to kind of walk through my experience and I want you to chime in as I go along. Uh, mm -hmm. Steven, if you want to add, you know, anything, feel free to, and I'll ask you some questions as we go along too. But, um, so the first thing, I, w I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really take note of um, the details of the space, or really even investigate what the tanks look like prior to going. So you walk into the door, and the first thing I was struck by was the awesome interior, like the decorating. Um, I think on your website, I looked it up, and you call it the parlor, right? Like kind of the waiting area. And it really has that feel of this like welcoming, warm, like really chill parlor like atmosphere. I loved it. Um, I was like, wow, this is super cool. Like I just, it was like instantly like at ease. I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting like walking into like, like, a, a, like an Apple store, like a an Apple store or like a sterile, like clinical type of environment. I don't know what I was expecting. Not 
and there's art everywhere and little statues and books and you mm-hmm. know like a, a center with tea and mm-hmm. like I was like oh okay this is really cool mm-hmm. like that was my first feeling and then um so you get there and ahead of time after you register go with the float sends you you know kind of like a okay here's what to expect email right so you read through the email and it tells you you know don't drink like don't drink caffeine, mm-hmm. like, too uh, close to your float, et cetera, et cetera. So, you f- I followed all of those directions. Right. Go ahead. I wasn't going to say Oh, anything. you look like you are going to say something. This is just very detailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want people to understand this, right? <laughs> and so, then you, then, um, then we started talking to the, uh, the float guide that we were talking, uh, that uh, met us there that day. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he, it Brandon? I think it was Brandon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Super, yeah. super nice, and he walked us through all of the details. The float concierge. The float concierge. Yeah. The float facilitator. The float, the float facilitator. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really nice. Kind of told us, you know, the lay of the land, the lay of the land, where everything was in the space, right? What was there, and uh, then he kind of walked us to our our rooms or float rooms and like steven said there's a room per tank kind of mm-hmm. right so um so we get in there and i don't know what happened in your room stomping jen but i got in there <laughs> and i i got naked well yeah because you got a shower yeah well i i got naked i followed all the instructions okay i showered i you know shower you rinse off rinsed off and stick your ear Earplugs and yeah, ears. Yeah, no. Yep. So you um, don't get salty ears. Yeah, I use the earplugs. So I put those earplugs in. Mm-hmm. And now um, Brandon, the the uh, float facilitator, warned us ahead of time. He said, um, sometimes for some people, you know, they need a little pillow thing. Right? And I was a like, oh, pillow. a neck a pillow. Neck pillow. Yep. And those are there. And he told us, you know, you can hang them. You know, once you get into the tank, you hang them on the so little detail thing. Oriented. This is what I do. So... Um, I hung, I got in there, I hung the pillow, right? Uh-huh. And um, I'm in the tank, right? Naked. And I'm naked. I'm standing there with the door open, right? One foot in the tank. And it was exactly as Stephen described. There's about 11, 11 inches of water in there, right? And I sit down in this, um, I sit down and immediately you can tell how buoyant and um, weightless you are. Wait, you can't sit down. Right, you have to kind of like brace yourself, and I was like kind of just tip over. I like was a tipping. Seesaw. I was tipping. So picture a naked sawtooth trying to <laughs> trying to get his footing and sit picture. down, and I'm tipping over like a cow. I'm tipping over in this tank, um, and finally I get myself settled. Now Brandon had given us all sorts of instructions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. About um, there, like Stephen mentioned, there's a light when you first lay down. Right, and then when you're all all ready to begin Situated. the experience, right, you you Turn press the off. button, right, and the light goes off. All right, was this reflective of your experience getting in the tank? Yes. All right, anything you want to share? No, I think you went to excruciating detail. Yeah. Now I like that Stephen mentioned. Um, I was expecting these coffins. But these are not coffins. These no. tanks. They are they're spacious. Like big bathtubs, basically. There's they're. they're they're spacious. But they're you know, covered. Yeah. Like you're in a yeah. ca- cabin, as Stephen has described. A cabin, yeah. A float yeah. cabin. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you get in there, and 
you know, the door is closed, you tap the light, it shuts off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you're floating. Then you're floating. And then you make all these micro adjustments. Is that what you did? You made micro adjustments? Yeah, I had to use the neck pillow because I didn't like just... <sighs> See, I thought I was I was going to try to be a tough guy, Steve, and I was I'm not going to use this neck pillow. No, I did the same thing. I laid down, and then I was like, oh, I need." That. I brought it in with me, and that then I noticed. So I'm lying there, I'm floating, right, and like immediately, the first thing that hits me is I kind of lost. Uh, Stephen described this a little bit. Um, I lost my um, my sense of of what? my body in space. Yeah. Like I couldn't tell if I was lying down or if I was vertical. Like I just felt like I was floating in outer space. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was a really, um, it was, uh, at first it was kind of a strange sensation. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever felt that before. Yeah. Right. Oh, then my neck like started. It's weird because yeah, like you ahead. can't even tell if your eyes are closed or open. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so dark. Yeah, then my neck started hurting, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right. You need the neck pillow. Because I have back and neck issues. I was like, all right, let me, because mm. it was distracting me. It was pulling me out of the experience. So I was like, all right. I listened to Brandon. I put the pillow on the thing. I'm going to get the pillow. So that's what I did. I got the pillow. I put it on under my neck. And then I just started to relax, stomping Jen, right? And my neck stopped hurting. And I was able to kind of get back into the experience. Once I did that, um, then I really um, began to kind of focus on trying to surrender myself to the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was such a new experience for me initially. Like, I think I was having trouble relaxing. So uh, I remember, and I, this Brandon was fantastic because I remember he told me to breathe. He's like, if you get in there and you're just not feeling you know, quite settled in breathe, focus on your breathing. So that's what I did. Started focusing on my breathing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, then I began to relax a bit. And one of the things I've been doing, Stephen, a lot of lately is reading um, books about UFOs and the phenomenon, as it's called. Um, and some people believe there's a consciousness component to UFOs. Right. So I began to focus on projecting my consciousness out into space as I'm floating in this tank. <laughs> right. That's what Love I was doing. To hear it. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm really focusing on projecting my thoughts out into space. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, 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 with the intention of communicating with um, the UFOs. aliens. Okay. Right. I did that for a while, then kind of I was just floating around, and then all of a sudden, a giant face appeared to me A face in the blackness. It just came out of nowhere. It was a gigantic, tan, kind of alien-looking face, and it was just looking at me. You read too much. I'm telling you what happened to me, Stomping Jen, and... I was shocked because I didn't think something like that was going to happen to me, right? I wasn't on any substances, nothing. I just was focusing on this, and I didn't know where I was. I thought I was in space, kind of, and eventually it just kind of receded away. It didn't say anything to me. It didn't communicate anything to me, but I saw this. As clear as I see you, Stomping Jen, as clear as I see Steven, um, I saw this face, you didn't have anything like that? I didn't have a face, no. No. And then I started seeing lights. 
I saw lights. I began seeing like purple swirling kind of lights. I saw purple swirling. That was you? Yeah, that wasn't you. Oh. <laughs> I told you about that. Descri- I saw lights too, but describe your lights. It was like three quarters of the way in. That like I couldn't tell if my eyes so were this, open or closed. Was this your? Uh, so I was going to ask you: Were your eyes open or? Closed? I have no idea. Well, no, I don't know. It was weird. And then I did fall asleep at some point because you know, like when you when you think you've fallen asleep, like when you're in your bed and then you, f- you have that sensation of falling and you jerk awake, like that. Yes, <laughs> that happened to me. Like the water like splashed up because <laughs> I jerked awake. But yeah, no, there was some point like where I did see like. Out of, I don't know where, it was just like purple. It was definitely purple and it was definitely yeah. like swirling around in front of me, but I have no idea where it was coming from. Yeah, that's interesting. And I definitely saw some like, I definitely saw some lights of some kind, the alien face. Maybe it was coming lights. from the aliens I know, right? in uh, Statues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, yeah. They were it, landing. I mean, I was, I was surprised. And, and for me, it happened towards the end too, because I was, as I was talking to Stomping Jen afterwards, Steve, and I was like, part of it for me was... It was such a new experience for me, like my first float, the first, I think like half of it, half of it-ish was like my body and my mind getting used to the new experience, right? Which is what, like why I want to go back, mm-hmm. right? Because like I've had that experience now, my body and mind know what to expect. So I feel like I can go into the tank and just like really let go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's why I'm getting, going to get back there. Um and so then, then, um, and I had no real sense of time either. There oh were like, yeah, time seemed to go on forever. And we did the sixty-minute float, and there were points where I didn't. I was struggling to try to understand how much time had passed, and I didn't. You know, I had taken off my watch and left that out, and I was I wasn't going to look at it anyways because I wanted to just see what it was like. But it was really, really. Um, for me, it was a really interesting experience being in there. And then it got out. <laughs> I had to get out. So you're lying in there. Um, and then there's like an alert system that begins to tell you what is like that it's beginning to end and um, brings you back. Yeah. The float facilitator prepares you for this. Right. So, you know, to expect this, so you don't freak out. Um, and then I, I came back you came right. back? Yeah, and then I got from out. From your journey in yeah. space. I got out of the float tank, and then I then I showered. I did all the stuff afterwards. And, and um, you got dressed. And I got dressed, and I met you outside. And afterwards, I, um, and then Stephen was out there to meet us, and we talked for a little bit. And I felt very relaxed after mm-hmm. this float. Like, like almost like a... Um, like a massage. Like a massage. Mm-hmm. It was on that level. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt um, altered, kind of, in a way, in like a positive way. I liked this float. You're so funny. What about you? Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. There was like a point in time where I was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what was that? Because you didn't know what time it was? What was that? Um, uh, I was just done. At some point, I was mm. like, I just, yeah, I like had had enough of just being in the water. Yeah, I want to go. I I definitely want to go in for. I'm going to go in for a, a longer, longer session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need to. I need to communicate with this alien mm-hmm. that I saw. 
Um, uh, did he have a name? No. I, again, I just no, saw sorry. it. I just saw it. Yeah. It just appeared to me. Um, Can so, I ask a question, Stephen? Like, yes. so what? So it's a therapy of sorts, right? Like flotation therapy. Is that like so? What are the benefits of of, of a therapy like this? Or what? Is- well, typically they they've been doing science finding that particularly people that float regularly become um, younger and wealthier. Oh. Huh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, was like, um, I was like, oh. Are you oh. open? Are you open now? Because I'm ending this podcast and I'm coming to float with you now. <laughs> yeah, I want to be younger just, and wealthier. Yes. So okay, I know we throw we throw the, the term flotation therapy on it, but really like the 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 roots of this thing with John C. Lilly, um he, he the floating is to me and to about John Lilly is about like consciousness. So the, the industry is budding and it's become this like overall wellness thing. And where the therapy comes in is like, you know, because of the high um, concentration of Epsom salts, which is magnesium and sulfate, like magnesium is really good. Uh, a lot of people are deficient in magnesium. So that's where a lot of the relaxation comes from alone. Physically, we, <laughs> we make the joke in the industry that like, it's not even the sensory deprivation. It's just the fact that people are finally getting, you know, uh, boosted with their magnesium doses that makes them feel so good. But I really do think it's a combination of both. I mean, as far as the, um, there's two aspects to the therapy, I would say, is the physical and the mental. Uh, most people really come in for the mental just because if you were to just sit in a, alone in a room with no phone nowadays with technology and distractions for an hour, it's probably you're probably going to be a lot better off and feel better for it. Um, it there, there, there is science. Um, there's a, 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 there was a lab in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Justin um, Feinstein was the head scientist there. It's still there. It's called the Tulsa uh, Institute or uh, what is it called there? Um, uh, I can't remember the acronym right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were doing science on like people with anxiety. So it's like that kind of therapy. People are coming in for stress and um, like anxiety which is kind of ironic because the catch 22 is that people coming in or the idea of floating can cause like stress and anxiety. Um, so that's why people are coming in mentally. And then like physically people, like you mentioned, you had back pain, people with muscle soreness, athletes come in floating is really popular in professional sports. Actually. It's, um, it's kind of a secret. I mean, the Patriots that, that I know of have been like kind of the, um, longest in this, uh, than most other sports teams. And it was like, uh, they're not like, Hey, look at everyone. We're floating. Cause it was like a competitive edge. Um, but a lot of sports facilities now have float tanks in their, in their, um, you know, locker yeah. rooms. Um, I know Tom Brady even has one at his house. Um, I don't know what he's doing down in Tampa nowadays, see? but I know younger and wealthier. <laughs> yeah, that man see? does not age. <laughs> there you go. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> That's I was true. not kidding. Yeah. Tom Brady is living proof of that statement. For sure. Um, need a float tank in our basement. Yeah, get on yeah. that. So that was my first thought after my float. Yeah. First float. I was like, how could I get one of these in my house? Um, so that's where the whole therapy thing comes in, which is great and it's true and it works. But like John Lilly did not invent a float tank so you could like relieve your back pain, you mm, know? Mm-hmm. So John was really into like um uh 
Eastern mysticism and he was getting into meditation. And in the sixties, he was getting into acid and then he was dropping acid and getting into the float tanks. And, you know, we're joking about Satu's alien visions, but, um, John Lilly had reports of communicating with uh, far off far off civilizations and um, aliens and in, inside of the float tanks. That's great. And, yeah. Um, and and, I, and less than I, I yeah. Looking up a, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was. I just want to share a quote with you that you that can fully yeah. encapsulate what um, John's um, kind of ideas of floating in the mind. And, and, and the, the, the human potential that the mind has and what it can, what, what it can do when there's, um, you know, when there's no distractions, he says in the province of the mind, what one believes to be true either is true or becomes true within certain limits. These limits are to be found experimentally and experientially when so found these limits turn out to be further beliefs to be transcended in the province of the mind. There are no limits. However, in the province of the body, there are definite limits not to be transcended. So that's like a little glimpse of like <laughs> yeah. John Lilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lest anybody think I'm, I'm kidding, like I, I wasn't joking about that, right? Um, a lot of the stuff I'm reading about uh, UAP, that's what we'll call them, unidentified aerial phenomenon, um, the deeper you go into this, you realize... Um, there is this connection around consciousness to it. And then the government has been studying the application of consciousness for a long time. The CIA um, for years and years and years studied remote viewing and they concluded that it works, right? Like they using float tanks too. Yes. And that was, that was part, part of their application of remote viewing. And so, like, I was just, you know, again, I got in there, this is something I have no, knew about and been reading about and just decided to try it. Now, did what appeared to, did what appeared to me, was that just a manifestation of my consciousness? I don't know. Was it something else? Possibly. But there's something there, Stomping Jen. I mm-hmm. see that look. What look? Like, uh-oh. Sawtooth well, is... We're going to talk about floating <laughs> and not aliens. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying... Indifference. Yeah, what I'm saying is there there is a, a um it wasn't scary to me. There was it it, it was satisfying to me mm-hmm. on a mental level, right, to have that experience, right? Um and, and it was also um one of the other benefits is like this um people uh, Stephen mentioned this, like people use it as a in meditative applications, mm-hmm. right? So you have this mental, physical and meditative um uh, way to use this, right? And I don't know, I, I can see a great potential in it for me. So I'm going to explore it more. Go ahead. I can't imagine uh, people tripping in one of those things. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, John Lilly was, he was, he was on another level. I, I mean, mean, that's like a long time. Is he the guy yeah, who I, talked to dolphins on acid? Is, yes. That's yes. the guy? That's the guy. Okay. That's interesting. But yeah. He he also experimented with um while he was on LSD communicating with dolphins. Well, they did an experiment yeah. uh, experiment called the Lily House, the yeah. Lily Dolphin House where he was trying to not him specifically, he had a um a research partner, this woman, I forget her name. She was trying to teach this one dolphin named Peter um English. She's trying to teach the dolphin English. 
And at one point, they did give Peter some LSD. And uh, the further they got into researching dolphins, John realized how um, exceptionally intelligent these beings were and called off all studies when Peter, Peter committed suicide dolphins are intelligent enough to do that. It, it just stopped. He stopped breathing because these, all this research was making him depressed. And so John Lilly was like, "Uh Oh, like this is, this is not right. Um, but yeah. that was the main, uh, because so John was getting involved with NASA and, um, they were, they were saying like, Hey, listen, if we're trying to communicate with other, uh, beings in the, in the universe, right. Yet we can't even communicate with other beings on earth. Right. So why don't we why don't we see what that would be like before we're running around into space trying to uh, communicate? Yeah, and we and we treat these clearly sentient beings right in the most horrific ways. You know, mm-hmm. we, we yeah. it, the way we um, keep in captivity these dolphins and killer whales and even octopuses. You know, Europe recently recognized yes. that lobsters, cl- uh, crabs. Yeah. And octopuses are sentient beings, and that we should not um, eat them. Yeah, torture them. I'm all for that, by the way. I think that was the right move. Um, Did you ever see The Octopus Teacher, My Octopus Teacher, that documentary? No, I've heard about it, though. I'm actually really in, also into Terrence McKenna. I don't know if you've heard of them, but yep. mm-hmm. him, he's, 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 um, he uh, incorporates uh, some education on octopi octopus octopuses (laughs) they um about uh, how amazing and intelligent they are and uh yeah so i'm well aware yeah and they have like these like incredibly short lifespans too like Mm -hmm. they don't live long they live like a year and they in in the space of that year they somehow are able to develop these incredible intelligences they're fascinating i'm i'm never I'm never eating um, octopus, again. yeah, or squid right. or any of that stuff again. After oh, seeing, yeah, they can like communicate visually yeah. through like color and vision. Mm-hmm. And so that was yeah. some of Terrence's ideas that eventually, like, that's what we will be doing as humans because like language is limiting, and so like, and that's what Elon Musk is working on, right? Um, with the chip, the neural link. So, yeah, yeah. So we'll be able to communicate with each other visually rather than. Uh, audibly you just be able to look at people and think about them i mean i feel like i don't know i don't think that's a good thing actually i think i don't i don't feel like i want people to know what i'm thinking what's that show on hbo made to love or whatever oh right that one where they have the chips right Mm -hmm. where they can read each other's minds Mm -hmm. it's about yeah it doesn't work out for them that's a comedy Um, yeah all right uh (laughs) let's let's circle back to floating um so Anyone can float, right? And I mean, this yeah. is this, this is not reserved for athletes. It's not reserved for podcast hosts. Anyone can float. Anyone can float. Yeah, I mean, so there, there. What I've noticed over three years here is that, like, there definitely are people who have like a certain disposition that take to it more. So, like, going. I mean, again, like going back to people floating for different reasons, like. Some people might literally just come in and float because like they have back pain and that's it for them. Although what's interesting is some of those people find that like, you know, they're, they're not expecting the whole cerebral aspect and like, you know, they drop into the the void and they're like, whoa, you know, what mm-hmm. was that? 
Um, but yeah, most people who are like coming for like, um, who are like experienced meditators, um, I think it's that crowd that really, um, connects and vibes with, uh, floating more than others. Have you ever had to talk to somebody who like just came out of the tank and was like, Steven, I need to sit down and tell you about this experience I had. It completely rocked my world. Like, has that, have, has that happened to people? Uh, yes. I mean, not like nothing like traumatizing or like something they couldn't experience. I mean, if anything, sometimes people just like one thing leads to another and now they're telling me about their childhood and their mother and this and that, you know, some people get out and they just, you know, they grab a glass of water and they're out the door. Um, but yeah, some people do really open up. Um, I've had the pleasure of like forming relationships with a lot of people that come through because we do get regulars with the idea of like floating being a practice like mm-hmm. meditation. And I'm sure as you know, from your first experience, um, you know, that the next time it's like, Oh, well, I know I'll do this next time. And I know a little bit what to expect and I'll be able to drop in and relax a little easier. Um, yeah. And so, you know, those, those type of people that do come back like every now and then, like, you know, they, they have something profound that, that they like to share, but nothing that like, you know, like, uh, I don't know about rock their world, but, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. Like, rock your world. Well, like, do they, do people come out with like, tell you, I just had a, like a super profound experience in there and I want to share it with you. And, you know, yeah, well, for example, yeah. I mean, top of mind today, I had this woman come in, it was her first float. And, um, she was, uh, sharing with me that she was thinking of like, um, uh, birth and death simultaneously, how like floating was a portal to each of those um, entryways into world the world. Yeah. And then she also went on to share how her father just passed away last year and, you know, meditating on the whole death thing. And she was like thinking about how this is a very like death phobic culture. And she was really getting into that. And she like felt the presence and energy of her father. And like, this is a woman I've never met her in my life, you mm, know, yeah. and it's like, here's a stranger, like opening up. That's my favorite thing about, you know, facilitating the floats is like, you meet a stranger, let alone these people you get to meet. And it's like, you know, you can go into some really deep, serious stuff right away. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, it's not like we're, we're talking about the weather in here. We're talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. you know, the deep stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Why? No, I'm just thinking about the list I have of things I want to, like, I want to do differently. Like, I remember you saying to me, you know, some people find the water too warm, right? Like, and I didn't think of this, like my body temperature tends to run a couple degrees lower, right? I'm like a 90. Oh yeah, we did talk about that after, right? Yeah, I'm like a 95 to 97. So like part of like my, part of, for me, right? Part of my first couple minutes in there, I was, felt little hot right so like oh next time i and i think you said this like you can make an adjustment if you know somebody's coming in and they prefer the water a little cooler or hotter or whatever so like i have my list of items like of what i want to do differently so i can get more out of the experience for me you got your list yeah um i mean in general in general i try to keep the water a little on the warmer side because if you're if you're warm you can crack the door but if you're too cold, there's nothing you can do. It is a very delicate, um, yeah. 
out situation, but like when dialed in, it's like, whoa, you can really lose track of that boundary and kind of drop out. It is tricky though. Cause like you said, like people have different um, yeah. body temperatures, like in general, typically men run a little warmer, women run a little cooler. Um, but yeah, for the most part, people are pretty, um, pretty comfortable in there. The biggest thing really is the whole neck thing. I really try to coach people up on that, especially if it's their first float. Yeah. Because when you're when you're in, you know, regular water, there's and you're um, in the pool and like kind of floating, there's that tendency to kind of like tread and make micro adjustments and move. Yep. And like this, you're 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 not used to being fully supported out by water. So even though you think you're relaxed and you're net you're letting your head fall back your subconscious is holding your head up because it's thinking if I completely let go, my eyes are going to go under, yeah. but they don't. And so you really have to just surrender into that. And that's something you'll learn with like the continued floating practice. And to me to get the full floating experience really does. And, and uh, you don't, you don't really want to use that neck pillow thing. You know, <laughs> once you, <laughs> once you, once you really just are able to like let go and it's like, cause I struggled with it in the beginning at the beginning of my floating practice. Yeah. And then you kind of like, once you figure it out, it's like, Oh, like now I get it. It's, it's just a surrender to the water and just, and it's mm. just trusting it. Yeah. And it's that letting go. That's hard, right? That's hard for people on so many spectrums of life. Yeah. It's yeah, like letting mentally, go physically. Yeah. Both. Yeah. And like, it was definitely for me, it was definitely muscular. Like I felt like my, my like my neck just like, uh, like you said, it was just like wanting to hold itself up. And then it just started like tensing. And I, even though I was breathing, I was struggling to figure, find a way to release it. Right. Yeah. And then when I grabbed the pillow, it was a little easier for me. Oh, the other issue I had was yeah. my ears kept popping. Is that because oh, you is well, is that because you didn't put the probably plugs didn't in, put them right? in correctly yeah. or whatever? That's another big thing. It's like people their first float and they're like, uh, my earbud kind of came out a little bit. And next time you know, you really got to get that tuned in. Yeah. Maybe you had a little cut you forgot about, and that's stinging. Or you drank mm. coffee too close to, too close to your appointment. There's all these little details yeah. and intricacies that you you figure out as you go and um but once once you figure that out and uh you can really get deep into this whole floating thing yeah um i wanted to ask you where do you get the salt like where do you buy the epsom salt for it because i remember seeing these gigantic look like 50 probably 60 pound bags yeah, like stacked bags, up yeah. yeah like where do you yeah. get the where do you get those i mean there's there's all different manufacturers i've been through a, a few I'm, I'm currently using uh san francisco salt company it's one of the more popular ones in the float industry the in the float industry though like um there's like grades there's like agricultural grades and we get like one that's a little cleaner um just to like take out some of like any like impurities or or anything like that but it's basically just like I said, Epsom salt, magnesium sulfate. Yeah. And how um, how often do you have to replace the salt? Do you churn through that stuff like in huge volumes? Is that like a huge part no, of not yeah. not so much? So really, so with um, the with the water being at eleven inches at the end of the week, um, it it goes down to ten after about six days of use. And we're closed on Tuesday, so I'll get in there and do all the water balancing. And I add another um, inch of water and about 25 pounds of salt. And so it's like every other week I'll put a 50 pound bag in, or sometimes I'll split it up and do 25 each week. So water balancing. Really yeah, I was going to say, so water balancing, you have to be a chemist too, right? So you have to be checking that water. Yes. 
Yes. It's really not, I was really intimidated by it. Like, um, upon opening and like getting into all of this, it's really not that complicated. I can talk a little bit about that for a while. Cause that's a big concern for a lot of people is like yeah. the cleanliness of the water. Yeah, absolutely. So what, yeah. So obviously with all that salt in there, like there's a reason that like before refrigeration, people would, uh, ship fish across sea with just salt and it, and it would be fine. So, salt cod. Um, salt cod. Well, yeah, we, no, no cod in our tanks, but no, definitely. I didn't the, see um, any in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the salt definitely does a, um, does its part in keeping the water clean. And so what's interesting about the float industry is this guy, um, was it Peter Sufield was a scientist or some other guy who was, um, experimenting in the eighties with, uh, different uh, means of uh, for keeping public waters clean. And most of the float industry uses um, this combination of UV in the filter with hydrogen peroxide. So that's what we put in the water, liquid hydrogen peroxide at 35%, which is really strong, but it obviously dilutes down in the water. And so when there's that H2O2 residual in the water running through the, U the UV, that's what cleans the water because we don't want to be putting anything harsh like bromine or chlorine in the water right. because in that enclosure of that small space, you don't want to be breathing in that, mm -hmm. that toxic fume. Right. Um, also not good for the skin or just really in general for the human system. So the, um, the H2O2 UV has been working great. There's also like a filter, just like your typical, like you're thinking pool, hot tub filter, um, like a pleated filter that catches like debris or any like loose particles or yeah. hair or anything that gets in there. Yeah. Um, so we run that in between each float. It does a total of three turnovers, which means that all the water in the tank is going through the filter three times before the next person gets in and we get our water tested. We've, um, you know, we've never had any issues. Most float centers that are doing their due diligence don't. And what I've learned, I've actually had to take a certified pool operator course in order to open, which, uh, seems a little silly to me because obviously we're not running pools and hot tubs, but again, float tanks don't really have a category of their own yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I learned about public waters was a bit disturbing, to be honest with you, in uh, public pools and even pools at home, which I never thought twice about getting in. I'm now a little skeeved out about, which is another interesting thing because people are so concerned about getting in these float tanks and how clean it is, yet won't think twice about getting in their neighbor's pool who has absolutely no idea what they're doing right. and, you know, and, and all that harsh chlorine and how bad that is for you. And I learned that if you can smell chlorine in the water, it's because they did it wrong. Like you shouldn't be able to smell it. Yeah. Um, and I also learned that if you were to take a shower, a uh, lukewarm 60 second shower before getting into water, it removes up to 80% of the, um, filth for lack of a better term yeah. that would get into the water so not only do you take a shower it's more than 60 seconds and we have soap and shampoo for you to use so our water is um it's probably some of the public water cleanest public water that you'll get in yeah i mean we spend an hour in that water uh stomping jen and um i was fine i didn't get any lesions my skin didn't burn i didn't um get dried well, out. It will burn if you have a cut, but that's because yeah. of the salt, not because it's like contaminated. Yeah. I'm cut free. I take a lot of care yeah. not, not to get cuts stomping, Jen. A lot of care. Yeah. Well, a lot of people will come out and be like, oh, I didn't realize I had a cut until yeah. I got in there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But I think my point is though, I think we were in this water and we were fine. 
It was clean. And I could see the UV light. Uh, you were going to talk earlier. You mentioned something about why people have to do it naked. Did you want to talk more oh, yeah, about yeah. that now? Sure, yeah. So, yeah. So, because uh, people ask that. Every now and then you get someone who's like really skeeved out about like, oh, I don't know about being naked in there. And it's just funny because like, having a bathing suit, it's just like a thin, the water's still going to get between that layer of your skin and the bathing suit. It's just like this weird taboo thing people have in their head. Um, so if very rare, but someone's just, sometimes people are like very hard on, like they want to wear a bathing suit and like, we recommend it against it for two reasons. One is because of like the, the tactile sensation. And the example I use is like, if you're wearing like a little string bracelet or one of those little like rubber Lance Armstrong bracelets, which I've worn in the past, I go about my day, not feeling it or recognizing it. But if I'm in the tank and I have that on, I, it agitates me because there's, because there's no other sensory input. My brain is just like searching for anything. And it's just like, what is that? You know? And so you can imagine with a bathing suit, it would be like times 10 because that's all over you. The other reason being that like, because our water is so clean, bathing suits can actually, um, uh, not that they do, but they can contaminate it. Like if for some reason you're running late for your appointment and you go and you grab your moldy bathing suit at the bottom of the hamper, or you put too much laundry detergent in it, or um, heaven forbid, there's some sort of stains in there, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So it's better to, um, it's cleaner to to be in the nude. Yeah, shower, get naked. And honestly, um, being naked uh, puts, uh, puts you in kind of a more of a vulnerable open state. You know, which is why some people get nervous about that. Yeah. But it's part of the surrender and it's part of like the womb like experience. Yeah. It, de- yeah. And something Stephen said popped into my mind, which is your, your brain is struggling to find inputs. Right. And that's one of the things that was occurring to me as I was <clears throat> floating there, you know, and not knowing which way was up or down or vertical or horizontal was the, um, I felt my brain like reaching out, looking for something to try to like get input on. And it was like, it was initially like a disconcerting sensation, but you know, my brain and body began to relax into that. And, And it's because we're so bombarded all the time with input. You know, I don't walk from point A to point B without listening to a podcast usually, right? I don't, you know, I'm always getting input from something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I love the way you said that, Stephen. It, it is. It's like your body and brain are struggling to find some input. And if you have like rings and bracelets and bathing suits on, you're giving it something that for that experience, you know, probably don't want to have. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I think floating is important now more than ever with all this technology. And I'm not one of those people who points to technology as being evil and it's destroying us and who knows for all we know it could be, but I think it's just part of what's happening and we need to embrace it and, you know, take the good and leave the bad, but life is distracting enough. But now that we have these little computers in our pockets 24 seven, um, it can be rather damaging. I don't know if y'all have heard about that social dilemma documentary. Uh, oh yeah. We, we watched that. That's disturbing. Yeah, Scary stuff. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the youth, um, the, yeah. the young, the young men and women of this world, the young girls who are 
super over conscious and anxious because of like image issues and all this. And so we, we really just need a break from this stuff. And so, um, the, so that's a silver lining with, uh, floating right now. And, and, um, and why things have been so busy, I think is because people are really anxious and stressed due to a lot of the technology that's happening. And what I really believe in more than floating is just this whole mindfulness term going around. And, um, you know, people, uh, people kind of how like the analogy I use is like with the, what happened in the, in the West with yoga, you know, coming mm -hmm. into the sixties where it was like this niche thing that the weird stretchy thing, the hippies were doing. And now, right. you, you know, everyone and their mother literally is doing yoga. And I think what now we're, what we're starting to realize in the States that yoga is more than just, um, is more than just movement. From what I understand, I listened to Michelle's podcast. She's a good friend of mine, actually. I don't know if you guys knew that. <clears throat> shout out no, to I didn't. Serenity Yoga. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Serenity Yoga and uh, over there in South Hadley. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So she was explaining that really all that stretching was about so you could just limber your body up enough to to sit and meditate. And so people kind of, we lost that connection here and we're starting to realize it. But people in the West have a really hard time sitting still and, mm -hmm. and doing this whole meditation thing. And so that's where I think floating comes in. It's like the cheat code to that, right? Sometimes I'll refer to it as like a forced meditation. So I'll walk you through my first experience, a little what happened uh, 14 years ago, my first float. I remember being in there just thinking like, you know, like, why did I drive an hour to do this is I remember this is stupid this is boring like what am I like you know and I almost wanted to get out but then I was thinking like you know what like I did drive this far I did pay this money yeah I'm naked I'm laying <laughs> down like I might as well just like mm -hmm. wait this out whereas like in my previous meditation practices at home, it's so easy to just stop. It's so easy to get distracted, but because of the whole floating being in a commitment, that's where like the forced meditation idea comes in. And not only is it forced meditation, there's no distractions. And so going back to the stretching to, to, to be, um, you know, physically fit enough to sit like, um, you know, Sawtooth, you mentioned you got some back issues. So I could imagine yeah. meditating in a, in a, you know, the upright position probably wouldn't be too easy for you. But Sorry. in the tank, when you, when you don't, when your body's not even an issue and you have no distractions, it's like, forget about it. This is like a supercharged meditation. And in the West, we need all the help we can get with shortcuts because that's what we're looking for. Yeah. I, there's so much there. Like, um, so I've started stretching because of my back issues in the last couple of months. I've been doing it for like three, four months, like every Not night. yoga though. Well, I'm doing like very rudimentary. He's doing preliminary like yoga. Very Michelle, I, you know, Michelle, I, I, I've connected with her. I've shared with her. I'm, did she did she turn you on to wall pose? Do you know what that is? I know what wall pose. I don't know wall like pose. Wall. Yeah. No, get sawtooth. I'm telling you, stomping Jen. Get yeah. get sawtooth onto the wall pose. It does. It can do wonders for your back. Legs at the wall. Yeah, but like what Stephen was saying is, I've had to learn and train myself just how to sit cross-legged mm -hmm. on the floor. Mm. Like I'm now at a mm -hmm. point where that's comfortable for me. Like, really? and it's been four months. Yeah, I told you, I can't. Hey, he'll sit on the he'll sit on the ground and be like, "Why am I sweating?" Just. <laughs> sitting here trying to touch my feet yeah <laughs> that's what float tanks are for <laughs> yeah um but it's right like and, and that takes that takes 
practice, right? Yes, and it takes that's effort. Why they're but, called practice. But something Stephen was saying <laughs> about his first experience in the float tank, and it was resonates a little with my own, is that I had to like commit to the experience a bit because it was challenging to me a little right. bit because of the lack of input. And and then it then the sensation that I was just my mind floating in blackness and like I'm also grappling with am I just my consciousness? Like it began to like get me into these, like, you know, these, these, these places. But, and, and I would, and I kind of did what, you know, Stephen did. I was like, uh, you know, they were kind enough to let us experience this. I'm going to get through it all. I need to get to the end of this. Right. And I really began to mentally try to button myself down and I'm glad I did, you know, mm-hmm. um, I have to ask you about this. It was our anniversary when we came and I was hoping there would be a double float tank that Stomping Jen and I could no, get. No, that would be sensory get, input. That's so the wrong button. <laughs> this is a common question, actually. And yeah. some, some float centers do provide this service. What? And yeah, yeah. Like a, like a double wide tank that you can float with a partner. And so I understand why people would want to do that. However, like Stomping Jen just mentioned, I am in that camp where like, I think it defeats the purpose of what floating and sensory deprivation is. Because let's face it, you're hearing someone breathe, you're bumping into them. It's not quite sensory deprivation. But the example I use to as a pro for why um, it's a good idea is that like, it's the idea of like meditating by yourself versus like a group meditation. There, there really is something to that and that shared space and like meditation frequency that you're in. But we don't, we don't provide that service. Um, you know, we do have the three tanks. So I think yeah. that, you know, people just settle on, okay, well, we can float at the same time in different rooms. If you're really into that, my friends down in Hartford at Float 41, they have a double tank and they will let you do that there. No kidding. I'm writing this down, Stomping Jen. Oh my God, you're full of like you're romantic, float. strange uh, flow, flow adventures. Flomantic. <laughs> Flomantic. <laughs> you, you, we're we're doing a we're we're, we're gonna go to the throw wheel, uh, flinging mud at each other. And then we're gonna float. And then together. we're gonna float, right? We'll have to shower off so we don't get the. Yeah, but it's not a new idea. Somebody already did it. I'm only interested in innovative yeah. ideas. Oh, um, okay. All right, so Stephen, um, when we're preparing for a float, um, I read on I read on the website and I got this this helpful email before. It's not a good idea to eat a lot or drink a lot right before the float, right? We want to get in there and yeah. not, not have be, to worry not, about. Not have to worry about bio that breaks. stuff, right? Yeah. So. Um, I actually just want to touch upon what you said about like how your the beginning of your float was a struggle because I yeah. had some thoughts and then yeah. we can jump back into yeah, like absolutely. best tips for best tips for setting yourself up for success before your float. Yep. So most people most people think about floating as like in general as like this relaxation relaxation thing, which is why like honestly most people come to do this. And then what they find is like floating is not always a relaxing thing, especially if you're just getting into it, like meditation. People are like, oh, I'm going to meditate so I can be so relaxed when I do it. And it's like, wow, this is not relaxing or um, 
relieving any of my stress. And so people kind of, you know, you work through that and that's part of its work, you know? And so what I tell people is like, they have this idea in their head, they're going to come, they're going to drop into the void. They're just going to be in like, you know, Nirvana for, or Samadhi for the next hour. And then they're going to come out in bliss and so on and so forth. And when you get in there, you, some things come up, um, past traumas, um, physical agitation, um, being fidgety, so on and so forth. And what I try to get through to people is that, um, the example I use is a massage. Say you're getting like a deep tissue massage versus a relaxation Swedish massage. Um, the deep one, like it's not always about being relaxed during the session. It's about sometimes. Yes. And so it hurts like hell for the brain too. And but you wouldn't have the expectation to go into the gym and lift the heaviest stuff. You realize it's a process and floating in meditation, I think is like a gym for the mind. So you have to build your way up to it. And so what most people find and what I find for myself personally, I'll speak for myself, even some of my more challenging floats afterwards, I feel better for afterwards. I feel relaxed afterwards. And it's like the gym, the gym is hard, you're busting. And then you, you know, you feel good afterwards. And so I just wanted to make that point and let people know to not have this expectation that it's going to be this, like, you know, the most relaxing thing ever. Although you probably will feel very relaxed Mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. I think that resonates with my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'd asked about eating and drinking before, right? We don't want to setting, yes. Yes. do a lot Steven of that. Steven was going to give us tips for yeah. success. Tips, tips for success. Tricks. Yes. Yep. So, um, as far as drinking, um, the main thing you want to avoid is caffeine. So coffee, energy drinks, anything like that. Cause you don't want to have like any stimulants in your system before yeah. a flow. Um, I also will say that like, I mean, maybe you do, who's to say, we do try to have this thing where like, we don't want to like limit people, obviously like no, like (laughs) drug use or alcohol use. That's absolutely a no for, you know, safety reasons. But at the float conference, I heard this story of this author, this, this float center had this author that would come in and drink a Red Bull or two before his float session in order to just like ramp up and have like uninterrupted like crazy thoughts whirling through his mind but in general like you know you want to be you you want to be relaxed and also like you know uh caffeine can make you have to like urinate and so you don't want to have to get out and like break your flow and and Mm -hmm. do that so avoid avoid liquids too much in general and the the food people have questions with that it's like you want to have a happy medium. You don't want to like starve yourself or fast for hours. Cause then you're going to be uncomfortable. Your stomach's going to be grumbling and you also don't want to eat a Turkey dinner before you get in there. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, maybe just a light, <laughs> a light meal an hour or two before your flow is, is sufficient. We always recommend people use the bathroom before they flow. I, I'm very annoying about it and I have no shame and uh, asking people two or three times if they say no, um, are you sure? And they're like, <laughs> I'm an adult. I think I know. I'm like, listen, like, mm-hmm. even if you don't have to use the rest, the restroom, please just try anyway. You can usually find something in there. Try to make light of it. Um, I'll often ask people to empty their tank before they get into our tank. So it's like a nice <laughs> funny way to get them to go in there. Um, what else tips and tricks? Um, I like to schedule a float, like at least a day before. So you can kind of like prepare for it mentally every now and then you get someone who comes in who like 
is bringing their friend or their partner as like a surprise. And sometimes the people don't even know what floating is. And although surprises are fun for some people, I don't think that's a good idea because people are thrown off. Like literally, I mean, like have never even heard of floating and now they're in here like, Oh, I'm like going to do this thing. Um, so yeah, I just try to like, think about it before. Um, there's, there's really not much. Oh, another big one is shaving, right? So mm. Brad, I ran this by you and you're like, uh, oh, that's not going to be an issue. For no, me. I'm one um, hairy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even for women who like shave their legs or armpits or whatever, like razor burn can occur. Or if you get like a, um, a little cut or stubble, like that's going to sting in the water cause it's so salty. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely, um, something to keep in mind too. We do have most of these tips and tricks in our FAQ and we send yeah. it in the, in the email as well. Now I, I was talking, I don't remember if I was talking to you or, or Steven, um, so I have been fortunate enough in my life to go to the Dead Sea yeah, and float mm. in the Dead Sea. But the salt content in the Dead Sea must be way higher than what you guys have in the tank. It's not way higher, but it is higher. It's and higher. unfortunately, from what I've heard is that the, the Dead Sea is like a... It's like evaporating and so oh, it's starting that? to like scale yeah. over. Yeah. I've heard in our lifetime that could happen. Yeah. I've been there. So we all got to go and pay homage to the world's <laughs> biggest float tank. I want to go there. To I the- make a joke. The- Jesus was definitely floating in the Dead Sea, right? Yeah. Frank, Absolutely. The, the father above. He had to be. He had to be. He saw that face in the sky and was like, oh, God, here we are. Here we go. Oh, Did um, Lazarus... Um, Who's that guy? Um, the Baptist, John the Baptist. Was he at the Dead Sea? Yeah. I don't know anything about. He would. Um, that was the Jordan about. River. Jordan River. Okay, I thought it might be the Dead yeah. Sea. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Um, you said something that made me want to ask this, Stephen. What is the float tank um, professional or the the um, float therapy or sensory deprivation um, therapy community like the professional community? Oh my God. It's amazing. (laughs) I'm like, so I've been to, when I had this idea to like, okay, I think I want to open a float center. I wasn't that naive to just like, you know, rent a space and go. I was like, there's probably some things I should know. So I'm, you know, Googling away in what comes up like annual float conference. I'm like, you're kidding me. There's a, there's literally a conference about floating. So on the spot, I bought tickets to fly out to Portland, Oregon and this was like six years ago because mm-hmm. like the, the inception of this place was like six years, even though next month will be our three year anniversary or this month it's December in like a couple of days. And so I went out there and I did the conference and I did like a workshop about like how to do the construction and um, the building and all that type of stuff. And um, I've been to like five or six conferences now in the float industry is just the people are so amazing. Cause I mean, let's face it. It's people that are like into floating. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the big thing that I've noticed with it is like, it's lack of competitiveness because what it indoctrinated me with in, um, which I don't know if I would have like realized this without going is say, for instance, the other float center, there's another float center in Northampton and we were looking to open right about the same time. And they were able to, to gather their resources much sooner and open like a year before me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I was kind of nervous. And then what the float conference taught me was like, the main competition is not the other nearby float center. It's like 
the hundreds of thousands of people in your area who have never even heard of floating. Right. So like I have three tanks, Euphoria has two. That's five tanks in Western Mass for like 500,000 people. Yeah. So like that's 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 where the um the, the competition yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the barrier. And so like people have been people are so giving with their time and like people who are new and like how can I help you and call me and ask me anything um sharing all their tricks of the trade and secrets and it's a really great camaraderie that it's like nothing else. Um, I'm actually, I've been working with this young lad down in, um, uh, he's down in, uh, Mobile, Alabama, looking to open a float and he's probably like 28 or something like that. And I feel so like blessed to now be the one to be able to help someone and and tell him what I went through. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be what I want. I wanted to ask you, um, after hearing you is, um, if you had a chance to be a mentor to somebody at, now that you've been in this game for a, quite a few years. That's yeah. A, yeah. His yeah. name is Drake. Shout out to Drake. He's uh he just got his LLC. He's looking to sign his lease soon. And so I'm walking him through that. We were just talking about the other day about his logo and some ideas on that. Yeah. Um, I'm like, you got to get a lawyer. You got to get an accountant, Drake, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> right. he's like, Oh, word. <laughs> And th- th- I'm I'm assuming that's all stuff that you you know learned by talking to people in the industry yourself and oh yeah people yep. yeah um are there like this is going to be the stupidest question I ask probably is there like big float tank like a big like is there like a big like corporate entity that wants to get into this just to make money because I want to say like Stephen you strike me as like somebody who is into this because you you love it, you believe in it. And like, obviously we all do stuff. We all have to make, you know, we all have to make money to eat, live, blah, 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 blah. But you know, um, you don't seem to me like you're in this, like from a big corporate level, like, you know, to, um, become, you know, a bazillionaire just to become a bazillionaire. And yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking to get, if you're looking to like, if money is your thing, like probably you don't want to like, float like opening a flotation therapy center is probably not your best way to go um there actually is a unless you franchise right which Mm -hmm. there is a franchise called there's a couple in the float industry the biggest one being true rest and um i've had some people that have floated at true rest look and and granted like it, it all it depends on the manager like i know one in um down in cedar park near austin um my homie who owns that place really really great vibe like like is doing a great job there um definitely has similar energy with me um i had just had some people come uh who that floated at another one and they they said they felt the corporate energy there they felt like you mentioned the um at the way beginning with the with the decor of like the apple store vibe and they're yeah. offering you like oxygen after and like oxygen. uh <laughs> yeah like an oxygen bar um and it's very like sterile and all that and so some people in the float industry like um with this particular franchise like there was some drama that happened and they there was some bad blood between this franchise and the industry but i'm in the camp of like you know what the more floating the better and if this person wants to make money and they're they're getting you know 
I don't think they have a hundred locations yet, but say they did, like, I think that's great. It's like, you know, we need to spreading um, the awareness. Yeah. Yeah. The more floating, the better. You just want people better. to float. How do we get? Yes. That's what I want. That Promote is what I the want. float. That, that's what we're doing. We're, yes. we're promoting the float. Now, how the hell do we get these fucking greedy ass health insurance companies to help support, yes. help support us floating? What can we do? Can we write them? You know, I've, I've heard that like sometimes even insurance just like isn't the way to go yeah. the way like I mean I'm sure like I don't really know too much about that I, I know of like they're trying to do it in Canada with floating um, by the way like floating is most popular in the states um, maybe only uh, Australia is like getting really popular there and like Canada Europe kind of China's kind of getting in the game but it's mainly those three countries like mm -hmm. US Australia and Canada um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard some horror stories with like insurance and like yeah. what a pain it is and you're not really getting paid and so on and so forth. I mean, I wish it was, you know, just super easy and it was super accessible, but yeah, that, that would be great. It's, it's mental health. It's like, you know, people, people need this. It's helping them. I have some people come in here who's like, this has been doing more for me than, than therapy. Yeah. And you can combine the two. I talked to my therapist about my experiences in the float tank. Oh, yeah. There yeah. are some float centers that have therapists on, um, on site. Not, that's the, on site. Yeah. Who, yeah. who will, who will work with you They're They were actually doing experiments with, at, I know at least one float center with like a intercom system and doing a therapy session while floating. Now I don't huh. know about that, but I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, that's what sounds really interesting, but yeah, no stomping yeah. Jen. I, I unpacked some stuff with him. Okay. My therapist. Yeah. I'm not sure he was interested. <laughs> I did talk to him about it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Stephen, um, I mentioned your I mentioned your website a couple times. Um, there's a lot of information there, right? And that's where people that's where people can go to find out about go with the float, right? And they can. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you get a float session? Walk us through that. I I did it, so I know okay. how. But I want you to tell us. Yeah. So the best way to do that would be to go onto the website and right at the top of the page, there's like a book and experience button. Um, and we also do have infrared sauna and massage yep. for anyone interested in that. And so that's why we say book and experience rather than book a float. Cause we have some other, um, Services. Uh, modalities yeah. here. Yep. And so, um, and then it will bring you to a separate landing page with the, the booking software and it will show you all the days and, times available um i think we mentioned all of our all of our floats are 60 75 or 90 minutes uh yeah. for the same price those 90 minute floats you're just going to get at the beginning and end of the day while all the other floats are you can do 60 or 75 at any time um, a float is going to run you 65 dollars. we do have a, a three-pack introductory where if you buy two you get one free the idea is we'll create some value around that so you can commit to those three times which as we talked about some people don't really vibe on it um the first or second time and it's you know it can be that third time where it's like okay now i get it and from there they're they're usually pretty hooked um so yeah it's pretty straightforward you can also call the shop and and we can uh we can do it over the phone but the booking software is pretty intuitive yeah. Um, and, um, I, it, you know, 
I mess everything up technologically, Stomp and Jen. You oh, know and this. You didn't mess it up. Yeah, and I, I, I had to reach out to Stephen, and Stephen got back to me. Right, I had to reach out, and so Stephen's a real dude. And he's a hands-on he's, owner, yep, and he's he'll get back to you possibly. So mm-hmm. you know, if you need to call or talk to somebody, um, I, I did want to ask you about infrared sauna because I'd never heard of that before. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the technology, and what it is? Yeah. So, I mean, most people are familiar with, uh, you know, the, just a traditional sauna. It's like a, it's a, it's a sweat box, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, the, inf- the infrared is just like a different heating technology huh. where, um, our, our sauna has actually far and near infrared panels. So the idea is the far infrared panels, the heat is kind of like pushing through you where the near infrared is good for like your skin and hair, the, the heat is a lot more, it's like a convection oven, right? So it's more like evenly distributed and like not as intense as like a, a hot traditional sauna, which is um, for most people a, a little, your average person, a little too much to handle. And so what's nice about the infrared is you can stay in there a little longer. There's a digital um, temperature control, so you can like turn it down if need be. And um, the sessions are run for 40 minutes, okay? And so... Um, at the end of your 40 minutes, the the time just goes off. And usually people um, who are more experienced, you know, there is somewhat of a heat tolerance. So you can work your way up to that. Um, as far as the benefits, it's like, it's really the full gamut. You Google the benefits of sauna or infrared sauna. A lot of what will come up is like inflammation, immune system. Um, it's honestly like a de-stressor too, just like sitting and sweating and, mm-hmm. and getting that out. Um, the sauna is another example of like, if you want to get real intense with it, it can become unbearable and uncomfortable, but afterwards you're going to feel great. Yeah. I love being hot. You do. I do. I hate it. You know, well, it's sauna season. Let me say that. Um, a lot of people ask too, Hey, can I do both? Of course. A lot of people do a lot of the, the order is kind of doing the sauna first works better. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you, you hop in the float so you can rinse off probably with a cool shower to bring your body temperature back down. And then you hop in the tank, which is nice. Cause like, if you're someone that's coming from work or home and you got kids and your house is crazy, mm-hmm. um, instead of like getting right into the, the tank, you can kind of decompress in the sauna first, but that's what we have our lobby for too. And you said you felt calm when you walked yeah. in. Like I put a lot of thought into the layout and design because like, I want people to like feel calm when they come in. And if you did want to come 10, 20 minutes early and just kind of like sit and relax and journal or read a book, um, that's totally a, an option. Yeah. yeah. And, um, in terms of the order, so I was talking to stomping Jen earlier um, today and, I noticed there's a, a massage and float package. Do you do? Do you recommend the massage first before the float? Is it the same as the sauna? Um, I would probably actually recommend the float first in that huh. case because the massage therapist would tell you that like if you do the float first, you're gonna get on that table and be nice and like your muscles will be yeah. um, nice and open and they can get in there. And not only that, some people are kind of nervous about massage and, and being touched, and so like the float can help relax you. Yeah. But then again, some people are nervous about the float and the massage can relax you. So um, that one, yeah, I guess you just have to try both and, and and figure out for yourself we gotta book an escape i want to book an es- like do all three of those can you well, do can all three yeah. oh the trifecta yeah. yes will you do that i literally me? like when people do the trifecta i'm yeah. literally like 
I feel like you need a long time to do all that. Let's take a day off. It is, is, yeah, it is a time commitment. Play hooky with me. We'll take a day off and we'll go do all these things. You're running one of the best podcasts in the world. Thanks, man. And it's all, you know, honestly, and I'm not just saying this because you're here talking to us. You know, we we live in such a fucking amazing area with so many like amazing people. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to the valley. Yeah, have it here. You know, like, you know, like Stephen. I saw, I read his art. I read an article about him in the paper. Mm-hmm. I reached out to him. And he was like, "Yeah, let's talk." You know, and come yeah. by, experience a float, and then you know, that you was awesome too. It. Because, I mean, I feel like you know, having experienced it, you know, we can right. talk we can a little talk more about authentically it. about it. But yeah, yeah um, all right. You so we'll go do in that. Depth We're gonna, about the aliens. We're going to do that. We're going to book a day there, Stomping Jen, right. you and I. We're going right. to do a thing. Um, Stephen, there, yeah, th- there was a quote on your website that stuck out to me as I was prepping for this. Um, I'm going to quote it. It's, it's, quote, please enter the float tank with a clean body, love, and no expectations, end quote. Right? There's the no expectations thing again, right? Yeah. Everybody, you, you're yep, entitled. we talked about that. We talked en- about the clean body. You're entitled to your experience. Tell us about the love. What's the love? The love. Oh, my God. So that literally before, I might have even been before we were open, I got the tanks. And so the most I've ever floated is before we were open and I set up the first tank. I was floating all the time, like, every day, every other day, two, three, four hours at a time. And one of my floats, I was like, it all just like that, that whole write up like came to me. I felt like I was like, Oh, I'm going to tomorrow. I'm going to write this great thing. And I was like, I literally got out of the tank naked. I was like, I got to do this now. <laughs> I felt like freaking like Jerry Maguire you know, when he like writes his, like yeah. his like new, um, his idea for like what the, uh, agent should be. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was just like, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. And it's it's hard to, to define love. What do I mean by the love? Yeah. Um, just like the, the, the infinite void of, of like can be scary to some, but it can be very liberating if you're able to like really surrender, if you have the courage to surrender to it. That could be like uh, what true love is, just the the infinitude of, of, of nothing and expanding and merging and being one with everything. Cool. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I surrendered to you stomping Jen. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I had to hit that button folks. That was Alrighty. me. All right, Steven. Um, all right. What do you like to do when you're not working or floating? What, what, what what else do you find time for? Either to connect to oh. yourself in another way, or you know, just what? Where can we Honestly, find? Honestly, I'm here a lot, and I love yeah. being here. I do. It is a joy. I meet the greatest people. I have the best conversations. I love what I do. I'm so yeah. passionate about it. I've met so many amazing people. Facilitating floats is like so rewarding, and it's like truly in the giving that I receive. Yeah. Um, and my my I I love music like um. I have a house that I live at and I love like doing, <laughs> I love like planting plants and like I got yeah. house plants and I love being in the yard and like I've grown cannabis the past four years. I really enjoy like being outside in my yard, sometimes being in my yard more than even like hiking. Cause I feel like, um, 
like connected and part of it and like yeah. I'm forming it and like landscaping and, and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I've grown that plant and I know stomping Jen doesn't understand this necessarily. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. I, I feel hu- human beings, we have an ancient connection to that plant like we do to dogs, you know, and there's some, there's something about it that was soul satisfying to me. I, I cannot explain it. I don't know what it is. I've tried to grow other things and I was like, eh, but that, and, and part of it is because I know it's going to provide me with, you know, it's going to provide me wait, with wait, so wait. much. Yeah. The food isn't going to provide you with so much. I just didn't feel the connection to it. The spiritual connection. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Have you ever it. read um, The Botany of Desire by no. Michael Pollan? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great book. So the premise, the premise is like, Humans think that we are like, you know, the dominant species on um, plant. Like we're in control. We we have full domain of the plants and animals, right? Yeah. And Michael makes a case for the fact that like the plants are actually controlling us. They're using us to spread their, their gene and their species. He uses as example four plants in the book, the tulip, the potato, cannabis, and an apple. Yeah. And without getting into it too much, you think of those four plants and without humans, they'd be in very small portions of right. the world just doing their little thing. But because of humans, they're using, uh, they're everywhere now. Yeah. Apples are, apple, like cannabis plants are in places that they should not be in. Literally, <laughs> they're, there's a thousand of them a hundred feet away from me right now right. growing in a <laughs> warehouse building yeah. because they've manipulated us to spread them. Yeah. That is a really interesting way to look at that. I'd never considered so some plants. I think the yeah. the point is that I was trying to get at is that yeah. I think that like humans, some plants are more intelligent than others, and I think that there is something to be said about like the cannabis intelligence more than say like uh, um I don't know uh, uh fill in the blank of any other plant a banana plant or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I got to find a tree biologist because I've talked about this before. It blew my friggin' mind a couple of years ago when I learned that trees actually are connected under the ground through yeah, yeah. Um, mycelium they networks. Communicate. Yeah, they yeah, communicate. Through fungi and that they're constantly mm-hmm. talking to each other. Like a tree 10 feet away from another tree will move its branch that way to give a tree here room to go up. Oh like, yeah. It is not like, only that, if a tree is being eaten by a certain animal or insect, it yeah. will send a message down all the way down. Hey, create this chemical so that when it gets to you, it won't want you yeah. to eat you. I mean, doesn't that blow your mind, Stomping Jen? <laughs> it's too late at okay. night. Not as much as be. not as much as her purple lights inside of the float tank. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last Steven, last question. And you might last question. You might know this question's coming. Um, maybe not. Um, I think you're going to have a good answer to this. Let me just say that. <laughs> okay. What What have you experienced that you can't explain or have trouble explaining? Oh, aside from floating? Or? Yeah, aside from floating. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I dedicate my life to this profession that it's like yeah. literally what I do. And people are like, what are you even talking about? You know, yeah. Um, is that too obvious? Should I? Um, I oh, guess no, no. Whatever. Yeah, if that's if that's uh, your, uh, yeah, well, if if that's the answer you want to give, that's okay. 
No, I would, I would say the psychedelic experience. Yeah. Um, it's per, I don't know, particularly mushrooms. That's kind of my thing. That's like, I think the, I think the, 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 the full blown high dose psychedelic experience is like the definition of ineffable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, and I want to give you space to talk about it as much as you want to or not want to. Um, when, when you say you can't explain, it did you encounter thoughts visions other undescribable things that made you take a step back and be like wow that is like nothing i've experienced before oh yeah the, the way i kind of yeah. explain it or look at it is, is it's it's not like um it's not something that's always like and some people will be like oh i i have a notebook and i write things down and when they have their experiences like this and whatnot and for me i think that more even even if you you go so far you you can't even really remember much it's almost like a a subconscious download that happens it's like yeah. john lilly um his like magnus opus um book he's got several writings is called programming in the meta programming in the human biocomputer and that term the human biocomputer um sticks with me of like it's like uh if your brain is a software system a computer chip and dude it's like the matrix right and you're downloading all these programs oh i learned kung fu you know and it's right. like the mushroom being put in there is like it blasts a certain software system into your brain that just like, whoa, I do not see things the same now. And like in such as cannabis and like shout out to my mom, my poor mother, if she listens to this. But she's like, <laughs> even when I was young and I got into cannabis and she's like, well, you smoke cannabis and like, I don't like it because it alters you. And like, it, that's not who you are. And it changes it. And it's like, yeah, that's not who I am. And it changes me for the better. It puts me more in touch. This is ceremony. This is what people have been doing for thousands of years. That's right. That's why the patriarchy has like come to this like dominating, like crazy state because like we've lost touch with these plants. It's made me kinder. It's made me softer more in touch with my feminine and it's like i think that this is a large part missing from society which thank god we're getting back to thank god you can go get cannabis and and now in certain towns in northampton somerville cambridge north east hampton they're not going to put you in jail if you want to like have a mushroom experience and get in touch with everything i just mentioned that's on my list i've got to try that um mushrooms stomping gin well what's going to be great is with the with the decrim nature what's happening is like there's now people that like you can reach out to have been doing this work for underground years and who can come above ground and help you like you don't have to do this work alone and a lot of people should suggest that you shouldn't and there'll eventually be places you can go to to do this safely and securely. Hmm. Like Unfortunately, God. those places are going to be really expensive at yeah. first. But there are people who are really talented and experienced that can um, help you affordably now. Yeah. Over the pa- – go ahead. What? <laughs> I'm just thinking about – Yes. I don't want to talk about it. What? I'll go ahead. Later. But tell me later. I'll it might be later. funny if you say it right now. <laughs> just like thinking about a guide, like a – psychedelic guide yeah that's what i would need i think it, yeah, it's not i so cannot much a guide. be your psychedelic like a, guide yeah it's i like to use the word sitter because when you're getting yes. into guide then you're talking about yes. like programming and someone telling yeah. you how to be it's just someone to sit and make sure that you're you're safe, you're safe and comfortable yeah. like the guy the guide is the plant the plant yeah. will guide you yeah 
You've um, been you've been my sitter one too many times. No, no, no. I'm not gonna yeah. do be your sitter. Okay. <laughs> I'm just Thank thinking you. about my sitter. Noted. Yeah. That's all. Okay. Well, he might need a sitter for his next float because who knows what um you're gonna have to help me stomping Jim because uh yeah who knows how many faces he'll see next. I time. know for yeah. real. All right, um, and I'm gonna report back on it once I get in there again, and it's coming soon because I'm feeling the urge. Um, all right. Okay, Stephen Bryla. Did you give him an opportunity to talk about anything that he wanted to talk about? You are amazing. Me? Yeah, Stephen, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Or something we missed? Anything you wanted? Well, anything? We talked about floating and aliens and, you know, John <laughs> Lilly. Like Adele, that's yeah. pretty much all I ever want to talk about, so. Cool. Yeah, um, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, yeah. I, I learned a lot. It was really... Um, it was amazing it was, to talk was with it you. Was it enlightening? Yeah. Um, trying, I'm struggling. You got, actually, you guys want to talk about the Grateful Dead for a while? Or should we go? I think we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a dead fan? Yeah, or a dead head, maybe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I is got this going to like well, label, just label us? I like to talk about. This is, yeah. This is... <laughs> what do you love about the dead? Tell us about that. What do I love about the dead? Yeah. So. The dead to the dead to me were like this like shamanic group in the sense that we were just talking about with like a sitter because like there are lots of people like you who are like really intimidated to get into this psychedelic experience. But what the dead what the dead offered was a safe space to do this because everyone was so in tune and doing this also. Like a lot of people who would never imagine doing psychedelics, next thing they know they're at a dead show and they're like they feel the vibe of the crowd and they meet someone cool and they're like all right i'm gonna do this and then when things get weird and they can't handle it that's what you have the band for and they were offering like a shamanic frequency to mm. take you through it and uh I when never, things get hairy you just listen to jerry i never thought about it like that see i mean like yeah. that i cannot so okay so just in full disclosure um sawtooth and i are not huge dead fans that's but, fine but like like I no could judgment. I could see the like that like what you just described yeah. as like a thing, yeah. but like they've turned so many people on, you know. They've cause yeah. they've offered that that space. Yeah. yeah, you. I don't think that would be a good safe space for you, though. No. Um, sawtooth. The crowd. Not, the whole crowd. Thing yeah, the crowd thing. Yeah. yeah, you don't like crowds when you're not. Well, you can just pop a show on at home in the comfort of your own home. Jerry will take good care of you. Yeah. I, so. <laughs> All righty. Oh, just. All right. One time. One time. Oh, are you going to tell the story? One time I, I took way too many um, edibles and I decided I was going to listen to um, George Winston's December. Oh, you've never told me this. I haven't story. told you this story. <laughs> I don't think so. Are you familiar with George Winston, Stephen? No, I was literally just about to look it up. He's on a phone. rural folk pianist. So I. Uh, <laughs> I. Um, I put on that. I decided that would be good to listen to. And I just remember kind of okay. floating off. And the the music is, it's like really piano heavy and it's dark yeah. and, and it's somber. And I remember at some point just sitting up in an absolute existential terror. It's like, what am I listening to? Why am I listening to this? Oh my God, what's happening to me? Oh my God. Full blown panic. And I'm like smashing the buttons, trying to turn it off. <laughs> Because it terrified me. <laughs> oh my god! It was like You've that. Never told me this story. That tinkling winter piano. Ding 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 ding. I know exactly. It was what like the song carol of the bells. <laughs> it's like ah! 
Anyways, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, Steven. Oh, boy. Thank you. Yo, I'm so Too glad fun. you reached out to me, man. This is great. Like, yeah. I'm happy to know y'all. Um, yeah, likewise. And I will, I will absolutely see you again at the Float Center. I will be there. Great. Um, listeners. We have a few couple of things we want to just say to you real quick as we're wrapping up. Uh, thank you for continuing to listen. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, there's some things you can do if you want to help us out. Go check out our website. Uh, our soft, website is live. It's live. Uh, softserpodcast.com. Um, if you are feeling generous and you want to donate anything towards our operational costs, we have a donate button. You can do that. Um, leave us a review leave us a review on apple podcasts that costs zero dollars it costs zero dollars uh give us a five-star review write a few nice words about us that would be good um i think that's it right yeah uh subscribe to the podcast yep share uh, it with friends. tell a friend about it that's helpful too um yes. you know i had a um a listener reach out to me yeah. just earlier this week to tell me spotify did their like end of year like statistics thing and they yeah. can't our podcast came up as their number one most listened to podcast. What? Shut up. For them, for that person. Oh, for that person. Yeah, they're a super fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's Rachel. So, uh, yeah. Rachel, thanks for sharing that Rachel. with us. And Rachel. big shout out to you. So, thanks. That's um, everyone else, we love you. We yes, really do. We do. We do this. Wait, wait, let me say something. Let yeah. me say something. I So, when I met you and you reached out, I'm a podcast junkie. I'm like, I'm going to listen to their podcast, obviously. I would say, okay, it's great, but especially if you live in the Valley, like I love, there's not many like local podcasts and just the fact that you guys like are talking to local people, um, like who are some of the ones, can we, can we have the shout out to that woman in Amherst who was doing that cool stuff there? Oh, Uh, Hannah, 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 now I can't say her last name. From the mill, I was just very interested yeah. in that. The one with the um, the murals in Springfield, oh, yeah, oh, Brit, uh, Brit really Rue. Cool. I really, yeah, my, my buddy Michelle Lyman. I really enjoyed like the local one. So, mm. um, that yeah. if you're local and you like that kind of local podcast vibe, I would check out the local ones. Cool, All right. thank you. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, um, appreciate that. All right, everybody, uh, Stephen, we just like to. When we sign off, just give our give our listeners a buy now. That's what we do. So mm-hmm. if you wanna if you wanna give us one your best floaty buy now, that would be good. Mm-hmm. All right, bye now, Stomping Jen. Bye now. All right, everybody. Um, uh, well, bye now. Oh my God. This world of ours ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, All peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.